You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. Big, big, big week here in the 2023 Miami Hurricanes football season with UM set to host Texas A&M at Hard Rock Stadium on Saturday. Kickoff is 3.30. Game will be televised on ABC. Hopefully, we will see a packed house here at Hard Rock. Um, there's a lot of trolling going on about the, uh, the ticket deal that the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Department has put forth for this game. My take on that, go take advantage of it. Let's prove everyone wrong and, and pack the house and um, you know, give this team the type of environment that they deserve. So hopefully, it's a, it's a good home field advantage and um, the Hurricanes can ride some momentum off of that. So uh, before we get into this game, Gabby, of course, a game of this magnitude is also a big recruiting opportunity with hosting big-time prospects. Um, We don't need to get too much into the weeds of who's expected. You have a good list on the message board at InsideTheU.com highlighting the expected visitors. Um, But if you're going to pick out, I don't know, three, four, five names that the fans should know that are expected to be there. Who would you bring forth? Yeah, definitely to me, the headliner is LJ McCray, the top 247 defensive lineman out of Daytona Beach mainland. Uh, you know, said, said a little while ago, I think right after they they missed out on David Stone, that LJ McCray is kind of the guy uh, for them along the defensive line at this point. So I think getting him back for this Texas A&M game is a really, really big deal. Uh, he's probably maybe the most notable um, uncommitted so far uh, in this class of 2024. And I think it's going to be a really good showing in the class of 2025. Uh, You know, uh, three guys who are in five-star range, uh, five-star defensive lineman, Armando Blunt uh, out of Miami Central, uh, five-star offensive lineman, Solomon Thomas out of Jacksonville Reigns, and five-star safety, DJ Pickett out of Tampa, Zephyr Hills. So uh, those are those are some really, really promising guys. And again, there, I think there's a, just a larger group of just top two, four, seven uh, players in that class of 2025 who are expected in. And then just a number of Miami commits will be down as well. So, uh, you know, guys like Artavius Jones, Josiah Trader, Zaquan Patterson, um, you know, Judd Anderson, uh, Derek Claus, all, all, all guys of, of that standing. So uh, it should, it should be a, a fun one for, you know, Miami fans as far as uh, from a recruiting standpoint. Yeah, and who knows, too, you might get some local guys that pull up to the game. So uh, Gabby will be all over it on the uh, message board. So 
stay locked in in that regard leading up to the game. Um, we always start with kind of injury update going into a game, Gabby. And really, I think the only thing that we know of that I think is fair to monitor coming out of the, the season opener against Miami of Ohio is the tight end situation with Elijah Royo. He was held out against Miami of Ohio. Mario Cristobal said he's close. Uh, they're just kind of being cautious with him uh, and bringing him back. Um, to me, Gabby, at this point, this is just me talking. I wouldn't force the issue with getting him back on the field. My approach with him would be let's get him ready for ACC play. So I think after this first month of the season is kind of when I would look at getting him on the field in the role that we know he can fill as the tight end one for this team. I think it's more important to, to have him fully healthy, ready to go for this ACC schedule than it would be to get him back on the field this week. Now, if he gets back on the field this week, that probably means they feel like he's totally fine and good to go. But the way this thing is lingering, for me, I wouldn't force the issue. And, and frankly, I'm fine with going four wide slash using Cam McCormick as tight end one to help seal the edge and help block in that role. Do you disagree? No, I mean, I, I, I and I'm at the point now, we're just kind of reading the tea leaves. Like it kind of feels like, Again, they're just kind of bringing him along. I don't know how how close he is to kind of being ready. And maybe even if he is close, like I do kind of agree with the point that there's not really a reason to force him. Like I feel like, you know, even what they've been able to do with Cam McCormick, again, just as a blocker, you use those five, those four wideouts. And then I think it, it even gives you the flexibility to kind of use the extra offensive linemen the way that you've been using them. Like, you know, Matthew McCoy as a tight end or whatnot. Um, yeah, as a blocking tight end. So, you know, again, I don't think uh, forcing the Elijah Arroyo uh, return is you know super necessary again it just depends how far along he is or how ready he is but based on I think everything that we've seen to this point um, you know it doesn't seem like again that they're necessarily rushing him and that kind of tells me that maybe they kind of you know go cautious like cautiously approach this and maybe you know continue to kind of hold him out as Texas A&M game but I honestly I honestly don't know which like what exact direction that's kind of going in that's just my guess right now Let's get into Texas A&M, just kind of talk about their personnel, uh, what they bring to the field, both on offense and defense. And I think the starting point there is quarterback Connor Wegman. We, we touched on him a little bit in our review podcast. And again, we had Carter Carroll's on, um, or Carl's on this uh, Tuesday pod, and he went in depth on his thoughts on, on Connor Wegman, which I think were definitely fair. And in a lot of ways, I would echo those same sentiments. I think the New Mexico game was valuable for him from the standpoint of showing that he can execute on a high level, uh, you know, some difficult throws. But again, there is the context of you're doing it against New Mexico where you have a perfect pocket. Your receivers are able to generate big time separation. Um and so there is kind of some throw and catch elements happening in a game like that that won't be there this week against Miami. I do think he can be a frustrating scrambler. Uh, he can pick up first downs with his legs when he breaks from the pocket. I think for his career, the little bit he has played, he scrambled 20 times in his career. I think he's picked up first downs on nine of those scrambles. So that's a pretty that's a that's a rate that should have the 
attention of the defense. Um, and look, I do think there is a chance he is the second best passer Miami will face in 2023 behind Drake May uh, at North Carolina. Uh, but we're going to find out against this type of opponent, against a Miami, um, is the processing speed where it needs to be? Is the ball placement where it needs to be? Uh, how does he do with handling pass rushing pressure? I think these were somewhat questions when he played as a freshman last year. Uh, and to me, those those questions still need to be answered because, yes, he did show improvement against New Mexico. He did show uh, poise against New Mexico. But doing against Miami, whole different ball game. But I think there's no denying his traits and what he brings to the field. He's a very talented player with a lot of potential. Is he going to be able to put it all together this week against Miami? I think that's a fair question to ask. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with Connor Wegman is just like how close is he to kind of putting it all together? Because, I mean, all everything that you kind of want to see from a quarterback, I think you kind of get from him. I think he has the arm talent. Uh, you know, I think he's 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 athletic. He's not like super like I wouldn't call him like a dual threat, but he's also not like a statue. Like he he's, he's kind of like Drake, a little bit. right? Yeah, like Drake yeah, no, can beat you with his legs. Definitely, he can definitely beat you with his legs. Like he's not just a guy back there. Um, I, I he he's aggressive. Like the way he kind of looks down, he's constantly looking downfield. He wants to push the ball. He wants to kind of get it out there. Uh, you know, and I, I think one thing I noticed just with Connor Wegman, just particular again, and I feel like it's a small sample size because he really has only played in yeah. a few games. You know, even going back to the Ole Miss game last year, you know, watching his first start, like that Texas A&M offense, like well, Connor specifically, he started really fast, like he got going quickly, and then you know, I think they put, I think they scored two touchdowns in that first quarter, and then they kind of went stagnant for like you know the second and third quarter, and then like at the end of the game, you know, he gave him a chance to you know put them in a position to make it close against uh. Uh, against Ole Miss and you know they ended up losing the game by three but uh, I mean I think that Connor shows a lot of like those things again and then we saw it with New Mexico like first drive of the game he's looking to push the, the ball the push the ball downfield and then again I think when it kind of when it's not there I think that's when you kind of start to I think that's where you maybe need to see him make his his most like the most adjustments is when he's not when that downfield shot's not available how does he kind of just process the rest of it or get to those second third looks and i think that's mm -hmm. where maybe where connor wigman still kind of needs to grow and he's still really good and he has some really impressive arm talent i can't remember if it was against lsu or if it was against Ole miss but i think they were near the goal line and he he's kind of looking around he kind of there's some pressure in his face he kind of goes sidearm to to like the I think it was basically almost like the sideline of the pylon and scores such like he so he's able to even get it out from like unique arm arm angles and make interesting you know make big things happen with his arm uh you know under duress and even he made a couple plays downfield you know in both of those games with pressure in his face uh so I think Connor Wigman has a lot of traits and I think he's gonna be a really really good quarterback. Uh, by the time it's all said and done, I just it's just where is he right now as Miami's facing right. him at this point of his career? Uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of promise there, but I, I still think that there's still a lot of development ahead of him as well. So uh, very intrigued by Connor Wigman, and I do think he's a really good quarterback. Yeah, and I think in some ways, I mean, these are all fair conversations to have when you're you're playing against somewhat young quarterbacks. Um, I remember this was a discussion point going into the Alabama game in the, what season was that? 2021 season um, where they're playing against Bryce Young, right? Like that was Bryce Young's first start. What is Bryce Young going to be first start? And, and 
Miami, I think, had the right approach where they attacked Bryce Young from a pass rushing standpoint. And, you know, he proved to be special with the way he handled those pressures, playing with poise, making big time throws. Um, I think Drake May last year, leading up to that Miami game, he had shown the ability to really be special uh, going into that game with, with very productive games. Uh, and, and that proved to be the case when he played against Miami as well. So I do think it's a fair discussion to have. I would be I think Connor Wegman's going to be good. Is he great? I think that's a fair conversation to have. Um, and, and I think the points you bring up in terms of processing, that's always going to be the case with young quarterbacks. Are they, are they able to process where they need to at the level they need to be this early in the season against a formidable opponent. So we'll see how that plays out. There's no doubt though, Gabby, that helping Connor Wegman is his receiver group. And we've talked a lot, probably over talked at this point about how talented that group is and the impact they can make on the game. Again, they go Evan Stewart, former five-star recruit that can do it all. My eyes, he looks like a future first round pick whenever he wants to come out. Noah Thomas, Six foot six, two hundred pound, big time red zone target. Three touchdown catches in the last game. Anaya Smith, uh, fans should remember him from last year. He's their do it all slot receiver, uh, kind of a strong contact runner after the catch type of guy. Moose Muhammad, six hundred yard receiver from last year. That's now like their third or fourth receiver, uh, along with Anaya Smith. So um, it is a deep, talented group. Gabby, here's here's the main thing with me. And, and we've already talked about what these players bring to the field from an ability standpoint. To me, it when it comes to defending this group, I think it comes down to what does the damage look like? Does Evan Stewart catch eight passes for 92 yards? Or does he catch four passes for 120? Does Noah Thomas get his yards? but you keep him from scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, and honestly, like as we talk about this group, those two players are kind of my primary focus. Um, you know, I think Miami needs to have the approach of like, we need to do our best to make Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas inefficient. Like, I think they're going to, they're going to get their yards, but how are they getting those yards? And I think if you bottle them up, so to speak, um, and allow, you know, even if you want to allow Anaya Smith and Moose Muhammad to go get theirs, I think you kind of need to let that happen because Evan Stewart and Noah Thomas, when they go get theirs, it is going to be a dangerous situation uh, for the Miami defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, I think it's the way that you, the way that you find a way to contain both those guys. And, you know, I, I think, again, both those guys are really talented. Evan Stewart specifically, I mean, the way that he kind of just does everything. And, and I think that's just a challenge, right, is is how does Miami limit, uh, you know, those home run shots? I mean, you saw the way that, uh, you know, Texas A&M took those shots uh, yeah. against New Mexico State. And, you know, how is Miami going to respond to that sort of aerial attack? And, again, it's like, how, like you don't want them being – you know, those long explosive touchdowns. And, and look, Dave, I know you wrote something about Lance Gidry and I think we'll, maybe we'll probably, I guess we'll get into this maybe later, but still, like, I think that it's a very interesting contrast because of how well Lance Gidry has typically coached 
you know, really pass defense just, you know, just over mm-hmm. the course of his career. So I think that's going to be a very, very, um, you know, key, I think it's going to be super key, uh, you know, to this game is just the battle of the minds there and really just how guys perform. Because, I mean, just kind of, again, talking to the ability of the Evan Stewart to the Noah Thomases, shoot, even a guy like Moose Muhammad. I mean, those guys have shown on like a yeah. put on tape that they, they can make those contested catches. So you can do everything right as a defender and those guys can beat you. So I think it's about, you know, like it's, it's going to be about guys in the secondary getting hands on the ball, making plays and just really making things as difficult as possible. And hey, if those guys beat you with, you know, elite coverage or, you know, top tier coverage, I mean, you kind of just got to tip your cap and that may happen. But I think you just got to limit, you know, the opportunities. And I think that's just really going to be one of the the, the things that, you know, I think Jamal Dye and Lance Gidry are going to be tasked with this week is just finding ways to not let those guys have those long explosive, you know, 45, 50, 60 yard touchdowns uh, that can really gut you. If, I mean, to me, this is an easy answer, but which one scares you more Evan Stewart or Noah Thomas, because Noah brings that size factor. Right. And so that is like, I mean, again, this is against New Mexico, which is light work. Right. But he was a red zone monster uh, in that game. Whereas Evan Stewart, kind of that first round pick guy. To me, Evan Stewart is scarier. Like if we're talking about a matchup from a Miami perspective, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, Evan Stewart's a freak. I mean, I think Evan Stewart is just one of those guys. But Noah Thomas, yeah, I mean, he's a red zone guy. Even I think it was in that Ole Miss game last year, like like Noah Thomas scored a red zone, a touchdown in the red zone for them, like really on the goal line. They almost like used him as a tight end where they kind of shifted him inside and it kind of looked like it was setting up to be a, a run like to the left side and they just kind of, you know, drag Noah Thomas to the, you know, to the, to the corner of the end zone and just kind of find him wide open. So I think that they can find interesting ways to use them too. obviously different philosophy now on offense, but I think Noah Thomas is absolutely a weapon, but I mean, as far as just a receiver who can just make your life miserable for a whole afternoon, uh, Evan Stewart is the guy that I'm looking for just because again, he also has that just kind of insane contested catch ability where he can just mm-hmm. make an impo- make a seemingly impossible play. And you're kind of looking around like how in the world did he come down with that? And you saw that as you saw that as a freshman. I mean, I've seen it on the seven on seven circuit again, different, obviously yep. setting, but he did it as a freshman as well. Um, and he did it with Connor Wigman throwing him the ball in those, in those last couple games of the season. So, uh, you know, Evan Stewart's absolutely the guy, uh, who pro- kind of strikes fear into me uh, more. Yeah. He's the one guy I think where the difference is the greatest in terms of the matchup Miami brings to the field against any player on Texas A&M. He's the one where it's like, man, that's the biggest gap by far to me. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later. And the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation. And Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers 
to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial. And let's take pride in our finances. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text STAR directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to STAR, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text STAR today at 561-573-4661. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids' selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. Thoughts on the running back. Honestly, I'll be honest, Gabby. Like, to me, like, I'm not saying this is a group that isn't talented. They do have talent. But this isn't a group at this point that scares me. Um, not, again, not that they're bad, but like, you know, last year they had Devin A-Chain, right? And um, he, in his way, changed the game with some big plays he generated last year with his speed and cutting ability. This year, they, they're kind of starting the season. Texas A&M is with a running back by committee approach. You got the true freshman, Ruben Owens, who's a five-star. You know, still, I think they gave him they gave him a lot of snaps in, in the New Mexico game. But he, you could tell, like, he's still kind of adjusting to the speed of things and, and getting his feet under him at the college level. Amari Daniels, the Miami Central product, led them in rushing yards. And then you have Le'Veon Moss, uh, who kind of seemed like in that New Mexico game, kind of like the uh, red zone back. Um, honestly, of those three, I would want Texas A&M feeding Amari Daniels the most. That's just me. You know, I think he's a solid back, but to me, he's not a back that can take over a game. And maybe I'm crazy. This is probably an unpopular opinion, but to my eyes, Le'Veon Moss looked like the best one of that group. Um Honestly, though, I just think this is a group that's okay. Nothing special. They don't scare me at all like their wide receiver group does. No, and I think really, I think it's just, it's hard to replace a guy like Devin A-Chain. And I mean, he was their guy. I mean, the Devin A-Chain last year, 196 carries. Amari Daniels was second with 36. So it was absolutely the Devin A-Chain show. And I think when you lose a guy like that, 
And I, I think there was just never a clear number two guy behind him. There was not like they, they wasn't like, okay, like Devin, you could take a couple plays off because we're going to let this guy kind of go. Like how Miami has a few guys that they can kind of go with. Like it was not that approach at all. And I think, uh, you know, they're still kind of figuring out who that next guy is and whether that's the five-star freshman Ruben Owens, who I think still has a long way to go from a pass protection standpoint, uh, again, Amari Daniels, but Amari Daniels, isn't that top tier you know, yeah. running back in the SEC, De- there there is no Devin A. Chain on this roster. Like that, that threat is kind of gone. And I think what was what Devin A. Chain was for them last year, maybe again, maybe it's just kind of converted into the wide receiver room of that. Maybe that's where they're strongest. Um, I think because I think they're just maybe a little bit less balanced. And I think again, I think it kind of maybe narrows the focus more of of the defense and what you can kind of do. Because I think if you're Miami, you have to feel good about your ability to stop the run in this Texas A&M game because of, you know, really, again, I don't think that there's a back in that room that again, like the way Evan Stewart, I said, strikes fear into me. Like I, I don't get that from the running back room at all. And going into that rushing attack is going to be the effectiveness of the Texas A&M offensive line, which was a weakness for the Aggies last year. They do return plenty of experience from last year's offensive line. The thing that stands out about them, Gabby, is they look like a SEC offensive line across the board with their size and body types. Again, we say 6'7", 315, but that can look different. Uh, there's lots of different ways 6'7", and 315 can yeah, look. Absolutely. These guys look the part. These guys hold their weight in a lean kind of way. Um that is impressive. And across the board, you go left tackle, Trey Zune, 6'7", 315. Mark Nabu, the left guard, 6'4", 325. Bryce Foster, 6'5", 330, which has to be one of the biggest centers in the country. That is massive size at the center position. Uh, Layden Robinson, 6'4", 315. And then true freshman Chase Besantis, 6'6", 320. I will say this, like Foster, Bryce Foster, the center and Layden Robinson, they have some glass eater potential. Like they've shown the ability to be wreckers on the line of scrimmage, but they've also kind of been plagued by some injuries here in the last year plus. Um, and so this is a, an opportunity for them to get back on track and kind of get that uh, recognition that they had once early on in their careers I think Trey Zune, their left tackle, is fine. I think Chase Basantis, like any true freshman, making his second start, there's some questions there when going up against a team like Miami. To me, the pass protection of this group is above average. It's it's not average, it, but it's not good. Um, you know, the two tackles against New Mexico allowed five pressures and two sacks. The offensive line as a whole allowed nine pressures. So, and again, this is against New Mexico. Like Miami, by comparison, in that first week, allowed five pressures and one sack against a much, much, much better Miami of Ohio defensive line. Um, so that's my quick take on this group. And honestly, like I think on paper, they should be good at run blocking and pushing uh, defensive lines around. But based off last year, they did not get that done. And so I'm curious if they've improved in that regard this year. Because to me, 
I would be concerned in third and long situations with this offensive line because, again, I think the pass protection is simply just above average. Yeah, I, again, like to, to your point, like the size and all that, you would think that this is just one of like the best offensive lines in the country, but they haven't really been that. And I mean, I was listening to your preview podcast with uh, with Carter Carls, and he did like he he mentioned the Chase Basanta six six. He's listed as six six, and he says probably six four. And he said like when I heard that he was six six, because he visited Miami last year, so like I saw like saw Chase Basanta like up close. Like, there's no way Chase Basanta is six six. Like, but still, he he is a big guy, and you know he's someone that Miami really really liked. And yeah, I mean that's definitely a big offensive front. But, you know, I think really Basantis is probably the guy that I think if you're Miami, I think he's the guy that you want to attack, right? Like, you know, and again, his yes. first start as a true freshman, uh, pro football focus credited him with four pressures allowed, two quarterback hurries and a sack allowed. So, uh, you know, I think if you're uh, guys like, you know, he's probably gonna get matched up with the guys like Akeem Mesador, Ruben Bain and those guys, I think that that's where I think Miami should be really in attack mode and especially as they kind of stun and he's going to have to kind of pass off um, you know, or kind of just like, you know, regather kind of where, like just focus his eyes on who he's blocking, what's kind of coming at him and things like that. I think uh, Miami can th- make things really, really tricky for him up front, you know, just especially on that right side, uh, you know, just considering his youth and the way that he, you know, at times struggled against, again, a New Mexico defensive line who I think is not, you know, yeah. close to even what a Miami of Ohio defensive line looked like. So he's probably the like the spot that again, I think if I'm Lance Gidry, if I'm Jason Taylor, uh, that's the guy that I'm kind of like pinpointing and kind of going after. Like any defensive coordinator, right? I mean, right. if you're starting of a course. freshman I mean, offensive line, and we're going to are going to target to Mal- Malgo, right? Right. right. Um, tight end. You know, I don't think there's much to say here. Jake Johnson probably their red zone pass catching threat if they want to go down that road and then max right they're they're blocking tight end but to me like if i'm miami and i see those tight ends on the field i like that because that means that's one less wide receiver that texas a&m has on the field uh defensively you know again we've we've talked up their depth and their talent on the defensive line i don't think to this point i think it's fair to say that group hasn't necessarily lived up to their recruiting hype um but that can change this week with a big time performance i do think they are talented i do think they have a lot of depth to me and we talked about this in that podcast with carter the thing that stands out about them is their size and their power that they play with uh they are big defensive linemen they don't necessarily have much twitch to them in terms of an edge rusher I think some of their D tackles have twitch for that position, uh, but their edge rushers to me don't scare me much with twitch. They primarily win with pushing the pocket, squeezing the pocket, which can be effective. Like they are good at that. Uh, but in terms of like, they don't have like a Jared verse type of defensive end that can uh, just get around an offensive tackle, beat you with straight up speed. Um, three guys stand out to me. On their defensive line, Gabby. Shamar Turner, a big defensive end at 6'4, 290. He's kind of like their version of Akeem Mesador. Probably slightly bigger, probably slightly more powerful. Akeem might be a little more quick, uh, but they're similar ish players that can play anywhere along the D line. Then you got McKinley Jackson, a run stopping defensive tackle that goes 6'2, 325. Um, 
he played, I think, only three snaps last year in that Miami game. And missing him is a big deal for that Texas A&M defense. But he's he's expected to be full go this week. And then Walter Nolan, who was a freak show high school recruit, number two overall player in the country, I think, for his class, 6'4", 290. Uh, again, special movement skills at his size. He is a twitched-up guy at defensive tackle. Um, and he can he can cause some real problems with his quickness on the inside. My take, Gabby, with this group, I think Miami's offensive line matches up pretty decently against this type of line. To me, like Jalen Rivers, the left tackle, I think he's suited to deal with power. You know, I think where things might get a little hairy for Jalen is with speed, quickness type of defensive events. I would also say the same thing with Francis Maui Noah, you know, as he's getting his technique under him and right at this college level. So I think this Miami offensive line is equipped to deal with power. Um, and so I think they're going to match up fairly okay against this talented and deep Texas A&M defensive line. Yeah, that was going to be my first point. And it was just like, is, am I crazy for feeling like this is, like the way that those guys kind of approach you again, you're talking about this, you're talking about the power and the size. Like, is am I crazy for feeling like this is a good matchup for Miami's new look offensive line? Because I think all those guys are again, I think that they can they're up for it. And I think where Texas AM doesn't have that twitchy kind of edge rusher, and I think that's where maybe they would struggle most. But it feels like even on like even as we go kind of into the interior, like I feel like you know, McKinley Jackson, who's who's a defensive lineman, I think I kind of like highlighted. When you asked, like, you know, who kind of stands out? I mean, he's just a big, again, six foot two, 325 pounder, kind of like that that guy in the middle of defense that helps them kind of stop the run. Uh, but like, I feel like Matt Lee is a guy that like he's gonna take that on. Like he's all about that. And I think he's a he's a high-level competitor. I think he's obviously a, a highly productive center. And I think that that that's that that's a good matchup for him. And we'll see how he responds to it. But I think that like like I like I think Matt Lee is gonna you know, do a, like he's going to handle himself in that situation. And then obviously you got the other guy, I mean, JV and Cohen, who's played a ton of SEC football, like loved him in that left guard role again with Jalen, with Jalen Rivers and even Inez Cooper, who's obviously a bigger guy himself. So like, I feel like if, if that Texas A&M defense is, you know, kind of power and size and this Miami, and again, I, I think that this is where the strength of Miami's team is, is on this offensive line. And I do think that it's a spot where, you know, hey, like maybe this isn't as lopsided as it would like maybe typically be or maybe how it looks on paper, because I mean, even like hearing Car like, um, you know, Carter t um, talk like, I mean, this is a team that I think that the, the leading sacker had three sacks last year. Like they aren't like obviously they they do a good job of getting to the quarterback and generating those pressures, but they're not they're not finishing a whole ton. And I think if that's the case, I think you know, this Miami offensive line is going to do their job and giving Tyler Van Dyke enough time to kind of be the distributor. And again, even from like a run defense standpoint, like I, the, the, the numbers are pretty jarring there too against Texas A&M yeah. as far as just like, you know, I, I think the, you know, I think what they were 122nd in rush defense last year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's like these guys are almost like an anomaly. And obviously there's more people that factor into the rush. Defense. It makes like, no sense. It makes no sense. I mean, this defensive yeah. line is just absolutely loaded on paper. These guys are all freak show, like physically, like, uh, like he, he said, like Car Carter said, and I don't want to keep referencing him, but I thought like, just, I took so much out of it. It's just like, it's true. Like you would look at these guys on paper and be like, five of these guys are going to play in the NFL. Like a bunch of these dudes have NFL prototypical body types. But for will. some reason they can't. Yeah, exactly. They will. And 
they st- they still have they still struggle to stop the run and maybe I'm getting ahead of our of everything but I just I I'm so fascinated by this Texas A&M defensive line because you look at them and you're like oh my god these dudes are so freaky but then like the production almost doesn't match like it it just something's not right. like it, it just doesn't line up so I don't know right. I'm very I'm very curious and again that's why I'm, I'm maybe I'm optimistic that I feel like Miami's offensive line despite how big and talented that Texas A&M defensive line is because it is talented I mean you mentioned Fidel Diggs Shamar Stewart are other guys in there. They have, you know, up and coming pass rushers, like a guy like a Nye White from like, I think he's from the Pennsylvania area that they recruited in that loaded 2022 defensive line class. LT Overton is another kid who they have in there. I mean, they, they, they got dudes across that thing. So, I mean, obviously they have the potential to be significantly better than they have been. And what your past was doesn't necessarily mean what you are going to be. But I mean, again, if we can only judge based on what we've seen and, I think that, uh, you know, there, there's, I think, maybe a little bit more to be desired from that Texas A&M defensive line, despite all the prototypical, you know, again, textbook size, you know, everything that you're kind of looking for. Yeah, I think the pass rush, again, this is just against New Mexico, and it's it's a small sample size for 2023. But from a pass rush perspective, I think they showed that they're kind of similar. I think Walter Nolan brings a little different element on the inside, but like in terms of edge rush, twitch, they're kind of like similar to me. And Shamar Stewart brings some freak potential there um, once he gets going. But like, is the get off super freaky? I don't know. Um, linebacker, we don't need to spend much time about. To me, the question is like, how good are these guys? I do think Edrin Cooper, who's like their veteran guy, I think he's looking like he's kind of figuring things out. Again, the, the thing that stands out about him, which is just, Texas A&M's roster in general looks like a freak. 6'3", 230. When he's running sideline to sideline, you notice him because he is moving at that size. Um, The issue with him has always been instincts and tackling. So he had a solid showing against New Mexico. Um, Let's see if he can keep that going against Miami because he's been kind of an up-and-down player for Texas A&M in general during his career. I think it's interesting, the other starter there, Torian York, um, to me, Gabby, that's that's a guy I would try to attack. Of yeah. course, another true freshman um, starter for Texas A&M there. I would attack him. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add there. Linebacker, we should just go on to secondary. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to mention how York is a freshman and, you know, get six foot, I think 230 is what he's listed at. Yeah. So, you know, I think that there's also, there's some physical limit to not say that's everything, but I think he's definitely a guy that you can, you know, again, go after. Secondary to me is kind of a weakness, uh, mm-hmm. relatively speaking, of their roster. You know, I think to me, the question is, can Miami test this group? You go Josh DeBerry, who's a transfer from Boston College. To me, he's like a solid corner like maybe a sixth or seventh round pick type of guy if he puts together a good season here. They go Tyreek Chappelle, who again is kind of like a solid corner. I don't know if he's an NFL draft pick kind of guy. He's like a borderline to me. In the nickel, I, I will say I think Bryce Anderson, their nickel, flashed to me. Like yeah. he seems like a talented player. He is. Uh, Damani Richardson, he's played 2,600 snaps. So he is very, very experienced. But for a guy like that, I think it's fair to ask when you've played that much, that probably means you're just not quite NFL caliber good. Yeah. And then Jarden Gilbert is kind of 
in a starting role this year. I think he brings some like big hitting potential to the back end, but I do think coverage is kind of hit or miss to me. Like the Miami really same. wanted him at one point. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Yeah, they recruited him a lot. He's a Louisiana guy, right? Yeah, a Louisiana bro. So with this group, like just year over year, comparing it to last year's Texas A&M group, it's not like a freak show group with like size, length, speed. Again, they're fine. They're they're good. But like last year, you had Jalen Jones, who was a six foot two outside corner that was selected in the seventh round. You had Antonio Johnson, who was kind of like their do everything safety. Uh, that was again another six foot two lengthy guy selected in the fifth round. Year over year, I think it's fair to say this group has kind of taken a step back. Yeah, I mean, I just looking on Pro Football Focus, and you just look at the the the, the defensive grades of that Texas A&M defense. All three, the three top guys were all in the secondary, and they're all gone. So they lose Jalen Jones, like you mentioned. They lose Antonio Johnson. Denver Harris played a little over 200 snaps uh, as a true freshman. I think he was their second highest graded uh, defender, and obviously he transferred. He's no longer with the program. He's at LSU now, and not even really playing over there. But you know, I think that they had a lot to replace. I mean, that's where they were probably, you know, at, at their best were where they were strongest and they lost a lot in that secondary. And we kind of saw it last year, like Miami's receivers really struggled to kind of create separation, um, you know, against that Texas A&M secondary last year. I mean, they struggled. We found out later that yep. they would struggle to se- create separation yep. uh, on everybody. But at that time, we were just like, well, this is a really significant uh, mismatch or, you know, Miami just really feels like over overmatched there. But uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of new. Um, there's I think that that's spot that's definitely not as strong as it was a year ago. And again, it's going to be I mean, th- this is a place where you can kind of test them. I mean, how how are, how much are you going to be able to kind of spray the ball around and, you know, kind of, you know, take advantage of a group that's still kind of coming together that has some new faces again, like you said, you know, uh, Josh DeBerry, he played in the ACC. So maybe a a a, a better ACC he made quality plays cornerback in game one. He did. Yeah, he yeah, he had, he had he had a he had a pick in that first game, right? Mm-hmm. And a sack. You know, so, right. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's a guy that can definitely play. Um, but what I'm saying is just like he's not. It doesn't seem like he's just like something that Miami's never seen before. Like he's not like an Evan Stewart of the defense. Like he he's a guy who can. He I think he's a guy that you know is not just like this some elite Agreed. shutdown corner. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think this is a spot where I think we're going to be able to see. I think Miami's going to be able to test. Texas A&M, you know, just in the passing game, uh, much more, be more aggressive and just hopefully be more efficient than they were a year ago in this game. And I think that's another place where I think uh, Miami, uh, you know, could potentially uh, win that matchup. Like, I don't think that that's like a lock on Texas A&M side. Like they're clearly better secondary than Miami's better at wide receiver, especially if maybe we see a couple wrinkles, maybe more Tyler Harrell. I would like to see that maybe. So, uh, you know, We'll see, yeah, but I I think it's a it's definitely weaker than it was a year ago. If we're comparing secondary to secondary, do you have a have an opinion on which secondary is better? Or do you feel like they're kind of equal? Um, they're I both, mean, I don't really... they, they have different strengths and weaknesses. Like Miami definitely. safeties are better. Yeah, is A and M's corners probably better? I think that's fair. Yeah, to I say. would probably say the corners are are better. But I also think Miami's corners, again, I'm just talking about matchup. Like Miami's corners obviously have the tougher, tougher matchup, the yeah. tougher matchup, which is, you know, again, like if we were talking about like who, which secondary is going to perform better, you know, I would probably lean Texas A&M in this one. Right. Right. All right. So real quick, before we get into break and talk about this from a Miami perspective, biggest strength to me, 
would be receivers that can win one-on-one matchups on offense. Yeah. Um, and then on defense, like I do think they have players that have the potential to control the line of scrimmage. Again, didn't do it last year, but I do think eventually it's going to click. Like there's just too much talent for yeah. them to not. It's just weird how they haven't done that yet. I would highlight those two things as the biggest strengths for Texas A&M. Would you bring anything else to the table? Exactly what I wrote down, explosiveness in the pass game, and then size and strength on the defensive line. So very yeah. much along the same line of thinking as you there. Biggest weakness, you go. What do you got? I put run defense and then just run blocking, just because I feel like the, the run defense, obviously the numbers are 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 just poor, like what they have been. And even just a track record of DJ Durkin that Carter Carl's laid out how he hasn't had a top 80 uh, rush defense since the, tw- I think it was the 2018 season. 2016. Uh, so 2016 so. season. Um, so I think the run defense is definitely a place where I see that their biggest weakness. And I think even run blocking, I still feel like that's a spot where it's not as necessarily strong as, as it could be. And then really just their running backs in general, like just their running game, the run from a run blocking running back standpoint. I think their running game is, 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 is a spot where, uh, you know, they're not strong right now. I'd I'd also include maybe the secondary there. Like not, the, again, I don't think they're like bad, but to me, they're just like not scary. I guess I would say they're solid. Um, all right, let's take a quick break here. And then on the other side, we'll get into this thing from a Miami standpoint, talk about what we want to see there. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law all right, we are back, Gabby. Before we get going here, I want you to highlight one of our new sponsors here on the podcast. Uh, kind of a cool uh, video game situation for the gamers slash college football fans out there that listen to the pod. So tell them about it. Yeah, you know, it's college football season and college football's back. And, you know, you could ha- you can take college football with you every single day uh, with college with football coach Colin College Dynasty. Uh, for you guys who are gamers on the PC, uh, with a 95% positive rating on Steam, Football Coach College Dynasty is the ultimate college football management game 
for the PC. You can be a coach and create game plans. You can call plays. You can recruit players, develop your team, and compete for national championships. It's fe- it features everything you love about college football, including conference realignment. Some of us love that. Some of us don't. School boosters, official visits for recruits, the transfer portal, and NIL, which is a lot of fun and how you can kind of toy with that and decide if you want to be the Mike Norvell or the Mario Cristobal of the NIL game. Uh, and then, you know, the game only costs $11.99 on football, co- uh, football Coach College Dynasty on Steam. Uh, so, you know, I would definitely encourage you guys to all take that, ch- check that out. Obviously, there's no college football game in the market right now. And uh, on it seems like, I mean, it is a very cool concept as far as for those those of us who just love to just build a program and and see where it kind of goes. So, uh, you know, it, it's been cool checking out uh, Football Coach College Dynasty. I'm telling all my friends about it. They li- they're they liking it so far and, uh, you know, definitely having some fun with it. So definitely would encourage you to check that out. Check it out. Football Coach College Dynasty. All right. So uh, let's get into the game from a Miami standpoint. Um, and, and I want to start here, Gabby, just the difference in the roster slash starting lineup from Texas A&M game to Texas A&M game year over year and just how different Miami is. And, and again, both teams are much different since last year's game, but I just want to talk about the Miami side of things uh, because I do think it's interesting. Um, so quarterback, of course, still Tyler Van Dyke. So nothing changed there. But when you go back and look at, at the starters, Gabby, the starting wide receiver group for this game, remember Miami lost Xavier Restrepo going into this game because of a foot injury that, that required surgery caused them to miss something like six, seven weeks. Um, so that was a significant blow to last year's offense. Um, so the starting wide receivers last year were Keyshawn Smith, Brashard Smith, and Mike Redding. So those were your starting three receivers. Yikes. The running backs were starter Henry Parrish, of course, um, but then Jalen Knighton rotated in, and Fat Franklin got a little bit of snaps. So that's significantly different year over year, as we know. Tight end, definitely the position where I think it's fair to say a little bit of or a drop-off uh, year over year, especially with the uncertainty of Elijah Arroyo's status and his health right now going into this game. Uh, so last year's group gets the nod there. And then offensive line, just a totally different group again. We know this, but I think this emphasizes the difference. John Campbell, left tackle. Jalen Rivers, left guard, center, Ja'Kai Clark, right guard, Justice Oluwashon, right tackle, DJ Scaife. So Year over year, this group is much, much better than it was a year ago. And quite frankly, like the starting lineup features a lot of transfers that like, you know, just not Mario Cristobal kind of guys. I think that's fair to say. Um, So that's offense. Defense, your starting defensive line last year was Jafari Harvey, Daryl Jackson, Jared Harrison Hunt, and Akeem Mesador. You had... Jordan Miller rotating in, Leonard Taylor rotating in. He played only 16 snaps last year. Mitchell Agude rotating in, and Elijah Roberts rotated in with 16 snaps. So, again, significantly looking group on the defensive line. I think Miami's 2023 defensive line is much, much, much better Definitely. than last year's, even with 
the loss of Daryl Jackson. He's kind of like the only one where it's like, ah, it'd be nice to have him in this game. Uh, but he's the only one that's like a drop off, maybe, maybe even not, because uh, Branson Dean does give you some juice as a pass rusher that Daryl Jackson didn't have. And also just some straight up leadership and, you know, definitely dogs to him. Um, <laughs> Wayman Steed, <clears throat> excuse me, Wayman Steed was your starting linebacker. My goodness, man. And Caleb Johnson randomly started that game as well. I feel like I'm just like living in the twilight zone right now. Just hearing all these names right now. It's crazy how different it is. We covered this team. We did this. Uh, Corey Flagg, I think he played the most of the linebackers, but he was rotated in uh, probably like overslept a meeting or something. Who knows why that happened? But he did not start, but he did play the most. Uh, Keontre Smith rotated in a lot. And Gilbert Frierson rotated in quite a bit. Uh, the corners, you know, we know what that group had. Uh, DJ Ivy, Tyreek Stevenson, yeah. and Takori Couch were your primary players there. Al Blades rotated in. He played maybe 15-ish snaps or so. And then your safeties uh, were James at camp. So nothing changed there. So really the, the big difference to me year over year on defense is D-line, where year over year, the only returning starter is Akeem Mesador. And again, Jafari Harvey is good he's just now your second team d lineman and which means you got better right um and then linebackers just totally totally different yeah totally better so significantly better i thought that was an interesting starting point to the discussion on how different miami is year over year texas a&m game to texas a&m game so again and and a lot of these guys too just beyond just the, the abilities just culturally much better fits like John Campbell culturally, not a Mario guy, not, you know, not a guy you want in your foxhole. Good luck <laughs> to you at Tennessee, but I'm not riding with John Campbell. We're getting um, some authentic David Lake right now. <laughs> anyways, let's go to, let's go to three things we want to see from the game from a Miami standpoint. Yeah. And I'll give you honors first. Yeah, I mean, I think for I think maybe probably the biggest thing for me still for just from, you know, really just Miami team um, is probably just like not letting the moment just being too just not letting the moment get too big. Uh, I think that you kind of saw some of that last year, you know, in this Texas A&M game. And maybe it was just overall just the team wasn't there, but just kind of elevating to the moment. Uh, you know, I, I think that and I just think there were times where this team last year just didn't kind of come up. I think it's been a problem for Miami just in the past, just in general of just not kind of showing up in some of these big games. And it's at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, so, you know, I think that's one thing that I think I'm feeling like, you know, I think that they it, it will just kind of be a more natural, like, you know, start fast, kind of get, get going and just, you know, kind of playing up to the program that you kind of want to be. Um, for, for the second thing for me is just establishing the run early. Again, I, I personally think that Miami can win that battle in the trenches, uh, you know, especially just in the run game. So, you know, obviously I don't think you're going to just straight up, just, just beat Texas A&M in the trenches, but I think you need to show that you can run the ball effectively early. And I think that, uh, I think that, that, that's going to be a really big thing to do early on so that you can kind of open it, open things up and just kind of remain balanced, which is where I think Miami kind of wants to be. And then I think the third and maybe, maybe the most obvious is just, just limit the explosive plays from the Texas A&M wide receiver room with, uh, you know, all the things that we meant. Can I add on to that? Yeah. 
because I don't know if I necessarily agree with explosive plays. Where I focus is explosive touchdowns. Yeah. Because I think explosive plays are going to happen when you play a team like a Texas A&M, right? I think they're going to happen. They have too much talent to not generate explosive plays. To me, the it's more about, okay, when those explosive plays happen, what's the yak look like afterwards? Or like, did you allow a touchdown on those explosives? Yeah. Um, to me, that's, for this game, to me, that's the talking point. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, no, I think I definitely think that's fair. So for me, I we agree in terms of starting the run. I would go even uh, in terms of winning the run game from a Miami perspective. I would go even further and say I want I want to see Miami win both lines of scrimmage, and maybe that's expecting too much. I don't know, but I do think it's possible Miami pulls that off in this game. And quite frankly, I think it is their number one path to winning this game. Uh, if Miami doesn't win the line of scrimmage on both sides, I have a hard time seeing them win this game. But we've talked about how we think Miami can can run the ball against Texas A&M with some degree of success. I also think, too, from a pass rushing perspective, Miami can win in that phase as well. So win the line of scrimmage, again, my, Mario Cristobal wants to build a line of scrimmage team. That is how you build a program that competes for championships. This is going to be a strong barometer in terms of where this team is at in that regard. And so if you are that type of team, or if you are a, a line of scrimmage team, you go out and win this game. The next thing I'm looking for is, look, I think last week, right, going into the Miami of Ohio game, we talked about this idea of handling adversity because Miami was so poor in that regard in 2022, right? And, and that's like talking about big picture, cultural type stuff. And, and we didn't see really much of that last week against Miami of Ohio because Hurricane showed up and handled business from the jump, started fast. Um, but I still think that point stands going into this week. But in addition to that, I think it's important to put Texas A&M in some adverse situations because look, this could be said of Miami, right? And we did say it last week, but um, Texas A&M was a program last year that showed they would kind of fold when they were faced with adversity, right? And I think in last year's game, Miami lost some of those key momentum situations. Um, the muff punt, Gave Texas A&M a lot of momentum in last year's game. Miami's ability to drive the ball inside the red zone four times and not get a touchdown gives Texas A&M a lot of momentum, right? Um, Devin A-Chain, there weren't a lot of explosive plays at all in, in last year's game, but Devin A-Chain, who was their big playmaker on offense, did generate an explosive touchdown on a 25-yard catch and run. Um, so Miami this year has to win, has has to put Texas A&M on their heels a little bit in some way and, and put the adversity on them, if that makes sense. You know, Miami needs to generate turnovers. Those obviously get some momentum going. Miami needs to do a better job of winning in the red zone. Last year, Texas A&M only had two uh, opportunities in the red zone. They scored touchdowns on both those opportunities. And 
that was one of the big differences in the game. Last year, Miami's receivers had four drops in that game. It felt like eight, right? Yeah. I mean, you those are situations that you can't allow happen in these type of games. Again, the running backs couldn't punch the ball into the end zone when they got into the red zone. This this all goes back to like mentality, culture. Last year, there was just too much of like an Eeyore type of deal where like, oh no, here we go again. And Miami kind of never really recovered. Um, so that's kind of one of the things I want to see. And I, I think we saw signs of that last year, right? With, or last week with the yeah. way they showed up, handled business. But again, there was not real adversity. Miami of Ohio didn't really punch back. Uh, Texas A&M is going to punch back. And so uh, how does Miami respond to that? And then the the last thing I'll say, the, the last thing I want to see, kind of in a similar vein, Gabby, but um, I just want to see who on Miami is going to step up and make plays. When, when you, again, when you go back and, and watch last year's game, it felt like a game from a Miami standpoint on both sides of the ball where everybody was kind of looking at everybody else and being like, are you going to make a play? Are you going to make a play? Are you going to make a play? It's time for someone to make a play. Who's going to make a play. That's not the type of vibe or culture that wins these big games. You need players to have the mentality of, you know, an offense, give me the ball. I'm going to go make a play defensively. Don't sit back and react. Trust your training. Play fast. Put yourself in positions to make plays. And, you know, a guy like a Ken Kitchens, right? He was still kind of getting his feet under him last year in that first half of last season. And he emerged as this type of player in the second half of this season. That needs to show up in this Texas A&M game. On offense, I think some receiver, some running back has to step up and make a big play. Um, so to me... Those are like big picture cultural type of things I want to see in this game. But to me, that's just kind of what, where this thing is at with this program is like, okay, the personnel's improved. The systems are improved. Now it's time for you guys to go out and perform. And so that's kind of what I'm speaking to and what I want to see. I, I mean, I love all that. Um, I think, I mean, just all of it is just, I mean, these are the type of games that, again, you need you need different dudes. You need someone who's just going to kind of elevate and kind of come up to the moment. And I think that's kind of what I was trying right. to say when I said, like, just don't let the moment get too big. Like, right. just just step up, just play. Like, you know, go out there and make plays. Go out there and, and do the things that you got to do to kind of win this game. Again, we're talking about culture. We're talking about all these different things that, you know, Mario has kind of, I think, spent the last what nine months really trying to fix about this program, trying to correct about this program. And I think this is one of those games where you kind of see how far along you are. And again, I think there's still ways to go for this program, but I think this is going to be a good measuring stick for them to see again, how, how you battle from, uh, from adversity, uh, how can you, how you can instill adversity and then how, and then who's going to kind of be the guy who's going to be, we talk about alphas a lot. Like who's going to be like the guy right. that's going to be like, you know, who, who who's the guy that's going to be like, all right, put it on me. Like it's on my shoulders. Like I'm going to be the dude that does this. And you need a few of those guys. You need a few yep. of those guys uh, across the field at different spots uh, to, you know, help make that happen. And I do think that this roster, this team is in a better place today than obviously it was a year ago when we were playing the same game. I think it's in a much better place uh, than it was again, nine months ago and in, in, or 10 months ago in last November when, or 
December when yeah. they played their last game. Uh, so, you know, I'm again, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that we're going to see some of those things. So, uh, but again, it's time for them to kind of go out there, get out there and kind of show that. Matchup we like the most from a Miami standpoint. And I don't think we need to go super in depth because we've kind of touched on this quite a bit already, but I say this with hesitation, but I do like Miami's offensive line against their front seven. I feel pretty good about that matchup. Um, but again, I say it with hesitation because I, I do respect the talent Texas A&M has there uh, in the defensive front seven. I also, again, I've already said this, but I also like Miami's pass rush against their pass protection. I think Miami has the ability to win with quickness. Uh, and, and then, you know, in terms of run defense up front, I think if Miami plays with effort and strain, I think they can get it done in that phase too. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, kind of the latter of to your point. Like, that was where I kind of went. Just like Miami's, I think Miami ha- does, I think Miami can win uh, the the, def- the defensive line from an offensive line standpoint. And more specifically, I highlighted the Chase Besantis, uh matchup for Akeem Mesidora and Ruben Bain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think both those guys can make his life extremely complicated. And again, I think just the way that they can throw different things at him, uh, I-, I definitely see him being a guy that, that they target. But, uh, you know, I think really the right side of that offensive line specifically, I think Miami can have uh, some fun with and you know again I I do think really the defensive line can can overperform or outperform that Texas A&M, Texas A&M offensive line so if both of us are right somehow in this thing David I think that that would be a really really good sign for Miami <laughs> matchup that worries us most from a Miami standpoint I don't think it's going to be any surprise but yeah yeah it, it's that ex- explosive potential right yeah. of, of the Texas A&M wide receivers so we already know that right but Let's let's take this conversation here. What would be your approach uh, for trying to match up against these guys? Like, I think what I'm kind of expecting, Gabby, is for Lance Gidry. I think what Lance Gidry wants to do is go man coverage. Uh, I think he's just going to put these corners on islands and, you know, pressure in various ways up front with blitzes or uh, and play some coverage games on the back end, maybe with the safeties. But I think he's going to put these corners on islands. Personally, I'm comfortable with that because I do think this defense plays better with an aggressive approach compared to a passive approach. So I'm fine with that. Again, I think there's gonna you're going to take some lumps. Uh, you know, Miami's corners aren't first round NFL draft pick good. Um, but I do think when the personnel of this defense plays with an aggressive approach, they do seem to be more locked in. And so I'm okay with manning them up and kind of living with the results. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. I mean, I think that's what they're going to do. Right. I, I just think that that's how they're going to kind of roll with it. I, I, my question is, I mean, I feel like they left kind of James Williams as like the high safety and kind of moved Cam Kitchens down to the bot, like closer to the line of scrimmage a little bit more. Like, would you, are you okay with them leaving James Williams up top or would you rather see them move James Williams, maybe closer to the line of scrimmage and then maybe having Cam Kitchens may playing maybe a little bit more center field. Cause I feel like that's maybe what I just, cause knowing Cam's like maybe just his ability to kind of track down stuff, kind of be a quarterback down, back there, you know, cause again, I think a lot yeah. of stuff just kind of just does roll through the safety. So I would like to see Cam Kitchens maybe play a little bit more high just because I think he's so good 
at playing the ball and tracking the ball. And again, I do think, especially early on in the year last year, we we're talking about how he was kind of taking his lumps. I think in that middle Tennessee state game, I think that you can kind of look at Cam kitchens and say, Hey, maybe some of this was kind of on you. Um, but I think he's kind of grown to the point where I feel like he just has such a great understanding of what he kind of has to do where I don't think, where I think he could be way more effective in again, helping kind of limit those explosive plays and those explosive touchdowns. So I would like to see him maybe play a little bit more on the back end in this game, as opposed to maybe close to the line of scrimmage and maybe get the more physical James Williams and, and maybe play him closer or maybe, you know, in the box and, well, you know, again, where I would push, and I don't disagree with your point on camp where I would maybe push back is the James Williams factor. Is he physical? Yeah. I mean, I'm, like, I'm just do talking you about want like, him in the box. I mean, I just don't, I just don't want, I just don't want James Williams being like the single high safety. Yes, I agree with that. But I do think, I agree with you. But I think the counterpoint would be like, okay, James Williams, to me, his strength is not playing in the box. Like, I think we want to put him there. He just doesn't play that way, right? To this point, like he's just, he's not as physical as you would like because of his size and all that. Um, I just think he's more comfortable being deep, but I agree. Like Cam is probably, he's better at both roles. If we're being honest. Yeah. Like to me, he's more physical too than, than uh, James. But one thing I'm curious about, would you be against in the red zone or the red area? Would you be against James Williams playing one-on-one against Noah Thomas? No, I would not be against that. I'd be curious if they go to that look, you know, just from a size, you know, like obviously Noah Thomas is probably going to be able to change directions a little better than James Williams, but that jump ball factor, you know, you'd have to like the James Williams, you know, size element there in some regard. Um, And then of course, obviously you can throw Devontae Brown, at Noah Thomas with he's yeah. a six two corner. He's got yeah. some decent. I think size. even Jadis too, just with the ability to move to what would you do with Evan Stewart? Jaden Davis? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've kind of gone back and forth with this. Like I I what I think they're gonna do is I think they're gonna put Daryl Porter on him. Okay. Um well that that's what I think they're gonna do. And I mean, I think I'm okay with that, but I'm ready to kind of I, I think I think the I think they will try and find answers. Like Yeah, I think that I think they're gonna put Daryl Porter on him, but I think it has to be a, a very tight leash. Like if it's right. not working out, I think you need to get Jaden Davis in there quickly. Um, but I do think they're gonna give Daryl Porter because I think they look, I, I do think they feel like Daryl Porter has earned a starting role in this on this defense. And I think they're gonna give him the opportunity to kind of match up with Evan Stewart and maybe with some help, you know, with Cam kind of helping him out and stuff too. Right. But I think Jaden Davis, I mean, again, I, I think Moose, like Moose Muhammad to me is, I think is kind of like a, you know, again, we talk about him as a third or fourth option, but I think he's really good. He's and very good. I, very I think good. in that, I think in that, that Ole Miss game, Connor Wigman's first start, like he went to Moose Muhammad a ton. Uh, yeah. So I still think you need to account for Moose Muhammad and Anaya Smith. And I think Jaden Davis could do, could go, could be really, really good in those matchups. So I think you have to give Daryl Porter the opportunity to kind of try. And then kind of, I think Jaden Davis is, I think they have really good slot receivers, those inside receivers. And I think Jaden Davis is really going to, I think they're going to really need him there because I mean, again, I personally kind of so am think over. Jaden in the nickel. Yeah, I think so. 
I think I just think that's put, where he's best. Yeah, yeah. Who would you put at other outside corner? I would try. I would probably put Devonte on Noah Thomas to start, and then kind of try, just yeah. kind of see how it goes. I agree. That's what I would like to see. Uh, yeah. Again, there's no great matchup against no. Evan Stewart that Miami could come with, but I, I would probably go Daryl against him. I would go Devonte against Noah. If you want to throw James in there against him in the red zone just to try and mix it up, I don't know. Maybe Devonte can hold his own there. Um, and then Jaden against those slot guys. I agree. That's that's what I would personally do as well. Attention business owners. I'm going to say three words you've probably heard of by now. Employee retention credit. If you're a business owner with W-2 employees and you haven't explored this program, you need to schedule a call with our friends at Foreman Law Offices ASAP. The employee retention credit can put thousands of dollars back into the hands of business owners. However, the rules are complex and have changed many times since the inception of the program. You need to have a qualified law firm with experience in the ERC. Evaluate this for your business. You won't owe them a dime until you get paid. All you have to do is go to erclawyers.com and fill out the short questionnaire to schedule a call with their team. Two minutes may be worth thousands of dollars for your business. Get it done today. ERCLawyers.com. Tell them TTS sent you for Through the Smoke. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. Let's talk about the the cornerback, or sorry, the coordinator matchup. Uh, you know, Bobby Petrino versus Lance Guidry. Um, you got the grizzled vet and Bobby Petrino. You got the, kind of the up-and-comer guy in Lance Guidry who has results in his career at different stops, but this is kind of the first big stage he's been on in terms of power five-level defensive coordinator. It's a huge opportunity for Guidry to show what he can do. Personally, Gabby, I think if Miami wins this game, Guidry is going to play a significant role in that happening if Miami wins, because I think if Miami wins, the defense does a really good job of locking down AM's explosive potential through the air. Um, he's not a name that is known at all nationally, but that can change in a hurry with a strong performance on Saturday. So to me, this is a, this is a very interesting matchup. Bobby Petrino known for being aggressive through the air. He'll throw downfield on first down. Um, Lance Guidry, known as an aggressive defensive coordinator that will mix and match coverages, throw crazy blitzes at you, try and keep an offense off balance. I think this is going to be a fun little matchup game within the game to watch. Yeah, and I think I said it earlier just in the show that like the the Lance Guidry, Bobby Petrino um, battle is going to be so much fun to watch just because I mean, really just, I, I feel like the way Bobby Petrino, I feel like Bobby Petrino is kind of aggressive on, on offense and Lance yep. Guidry is, is aggressive on defense. 
And it's going to be an interesting clash of, of philosophies and, uh, you know, just really personnel. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun to see those two guys. And Lance Guidry, of course, you know, he is not a huge, again, like you said, not a huge name uh, as a defensive coordinator. Bob Petrino has obviously had multiple stops at a ton of big time programs and has an extremely long resume of success. Um, but Lance Guidry, again, I think just in, in at the places that he's been, uh, has been extremely successful. And I think uh, Miami feels like he is a, a, a definite riser as a defensive quarter na coordinator nationally. And like you said, I do think that this is uh, Lance Guidry's opportunity to kind of put his name on the map as a, you know, uh, as, as a legit, you know, defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch those two go at it again, internally. I think they feel like Lance Guidry is absolutely brilliant um, and that they feel like his yeah, defensive scheme is as good as, you know, as good as it gets. Uh, so I, I, I'm very curious to see how, uh, you know, the battle of these two minds kind of plays out. And then on the other end, Shannon Dawson against DJ Durkin. We've talked about how woeful Durkin run defenses have been in the SEC since 2020. So since 2020, he's had the last, third to last, and the last run defenses in the SEC. Uh, last year, Lane Kiffin ran the ball for 390 against Texas A&M. Mississippi State ran the ball for 144, which is a ton uh, for the Mike Leach air raid. And I bring those two uh, games up specifically because, look, there's different rinks, different tweaks to those systems, but the the same it's a similar approach to what Shannon Dawson brings in terms of a spread offense with air raid elements, which is Mike Leach, of course, but uh, but Lane Kiffin does that, and he also wants to run the ball and have balance on offense. So all this to say, these type of offenses have given Durkin some issues last year. And again, totally different system, but you look at the App State game last year, that, that App State offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage last year. They were able to run the ball, win a tight game. Um so this is another interesting matchup to me. Again, nationally, Shannon Dawson's not a known name. But if Miami goes out and handles business and has a balanced, effective approach on offense against DJ Durkin, number one, DJ Durkin's going to be on the hot seat. Number two, Shannon Dawson's going to get plenty of love from around the country. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I probably lean Shannon Dawson in this in this matchup. And again, DJ Durkin's a guy that's been around a long time, but Again, I, I think he's going to find ways to, again, I, I think they're going to find ways to establish the run, control the line of scrimmage, and again, be balanced, but be balanced in a way that, again, that they're kind of efficient. And again, you, you look at even some of those teams like the Mississippi State, I mean, they're, again, the plus 63 over the season average as far as running. And then even Ole Miss, where it was just an absolute show by Quinshaw Jukins and even Jackson Dart, who ran for yeah. like... To get like 90 100. yards in that game or yeah like it was close it was it was up there um you know like I, I think that even these offenses that are even known to just be kind of like primary pass offenses know that they can establish the run against this Texas A&M defense and again I think that uh, I think it's it you can get a healthy dose of both where I think Shannon Dawson can feel comfortable kind of running the offense that he wants to run and still kind of get the productivity and, and the balance that I think Mario Cristobal wants. And again, the, I think from an efficiency standpoint, I, I do think that there's an avenue where Miami, excuse me, is, is, is productive, is, is productive enough to go out and win this game. So uh, again, obviously DJ Durkin's a longtime defensive coordinator who's, you know, had, had, you know, success at places, but I think the run, the run defense, 
uh, numbers are extremely, extremely glaring. And, um, you know, it's hard to look past them, uh, especially how Miami kind of ran the ball. Again, it's Miami, Ohio, but I still think, again, we've talked about how we think that that's a respectable, good, Both teams solid are looking to them. improve. Like yeah. Miami's offense, running offense, looking to improve. Texas A&M run defense looking to improve. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see which group comes out and performs. Sure. And, and with, with coordinators, you don't really know what you got until games like this. From a Miami perspective, we're going to learn a lot about Lance Guidry and, and Shannon Dawson. You know, just most recently, the most recent college football game that was played, Garrett Riley at Clemson. Yikes. He looked like, I mean, he looked like he was seeing ghosts that whole yeah. game against Duke. That was an interesting debut at Clemson. Again, he he got the job done at TCU last year, et cetera. But at Clemson, he was it was an interesting performance um all right let's roll through this let's get this done in 10 to 15 minutes here gabby offensive player that needs to step up who you got yeah i'm gonna go obviously i mean low-hanging fruit but i think it's just the truth i mean tyler van dyke i think is just the guy you know he's the he's he's the he's the guy who needs to make it all go and i think ultimately it all runs through him uh i think he needs to kind of have that bounce that comeback performance of just kind of saying, all right, like I'm a different version of Tyler Van Dyke. Like I'm a better version of Tyler Van Dyke here in 2023. Yep. And I think this is a great opportunity for that. So I'm rolling with TVD. I think he needs to be the guy. Yeah. He wants to be an NFL quarterback. You got to show up in these type of games. If you're going to be that guy, he has the traits, the throwing traits to be drafted, but the ability to to perform in these games when there's a ton of pressure is something that the NFL definitely looks at it. And also, too, just the game within the game, Gabby. Like, he's going to be compared to the impact he makes compared to the impact Connor Wegman makes on the other sideline. Embrace that little competition uh, and don't let Connor Wegman outshine you. I, I yeah. think that's a good pick. Similarly, I'm going to go with Colby Young. We're going to find out if Colby Young is wide receiver one. And, and to me, wide receiver one is a mindset. It isn't about being the best receiver on a team, which, which Colby is, or getting the most receiving yards, which Colby will. But to me, wide receiver one means when, when a play needs to be made in the passing game and everybody in the building knows it's going to you, you still make that play. That's wide receiver one. And so we're going to find out if Colby young is that guy. How about a defensive player that needs to step up? Yeah, to me, I'm going Cameron Kitchens, and I think it kind of along the same line. I think your best players in these types of games, your best players need to be your best players. And I think Cam Kitchens is, again, with Lance Gidry, the way he kind of dials it up, the safeties have a lot of responsibility. And again, I think Cam Kitchens is your leader on the defensive side. So I think just from uh, in every single aspect, I think Cam Kitchens need to ha- needs to have one of those you know, All-American type of performances. He That's what he is. You know, he was an AP All-American. His name's up in the rafters. I think in, you know, these types of big-time games, you want your big, your best players to kind of step up and play at their best. And I'm looking at Cam Kitchens on the defensive side of the ball to kind of, you know, lead that secondary to limit, uh, you know, what it is that that Texas A&M, uh, you know, wide receiver room brings. And again, I, I think that he could play a huge role in helping that, uh, in, in just helping that all come, kind of come together. I'm going to go with two players on the defensive side. And to me, like, this is a game with some star power to it. Texas A&M has 10 five-star players going into this game. Miami has four. I want the two five-stars on Miami's defense to step up and turn that potential into production and performance. In Leonard Taylor, the defensive tackle, and safety, James Williams. Leonard, 
Leonard Taylor has the potential to make a lot of money playing football. If, if he's going to do that, it starts with showing out in this game. This is a game that the NFL will be watching closely. Did you impact the game or did you just play patty cake? James Williams is going to be an NFL draft pick. Are you a top three round pick or are you a round four through seven guy? I think this game, you know, game one was a solid step for James in terms of just a, a solid performance. Now it's time to go make plays. He's a guy with a tremendous physical presence on the field with his size and length. He's a guy you noticed, but now be a guy that offenses feel you with your production and your performance. Don't just run around and make routine plays. So those would be the two guys I'd highlight. I agree with you on camp though. Potential player of the game. I'm going to go camp kitchens. I think he has to make plays. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be a big momentum game for both sides. And cam is a guy that can change the momentum of a game by uh, generating some turnovers. And, uh, you know, also he's a, he's a leader. Got to keep the energy on the sideline up and make sure the communication on the back end in, in the secondary is on point against this Texas A&M explosive offense. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of, kind of go, I don't know if this is going to be a weird one, but I'm, I'm going to go Ruben Bain uh, just because I think that okay. he can be very impactful uh, yeah. off the, off against the right side of that, uh, of that Texas A&M offensive line. And I think that, you know, he's going to – I think he has a really favorable matchup again against a fellow true freshman. Uh, I think Ruben Bain, you know, potentially has the upper hand there. And, again, already seeing how Chase Passant has kind of struggled in that opener, I think uh, he's going to have his hands full. And I think Ruben Bain is is someone that uh, is prepared to kind of give him a really hard time. So I want to see him kind of – we already saw him get very, very close to kind of, you know, finishing some plays. And I think he's – I, I, again, I think they think the world of him. They don't treat him like a true freshman. I think he's a star, uh, you know, pass rusher, defensive lineman for Miami. And I think that he could have a very, very impactful game uh, here in this uh, on Saturday, kind of the his his coming out party. And I think Ruben Bain is built for these type, these types of moments and these types of games. And uh, I, I think that he has a chance to be special. Sportsline projections over under this like daily fantasy stuff for college football. Um just the numbers they give. And again, it seems like their algorithm maybe hasn't quite caught up. Uh, yeah. It's early in the season. So their numbers might be a little off, but still, I think it's fun to play their analytics at Sportsline, CBS Sportsline has the game at 26 to 18. So a 26 to 18 game with Texas A&M winning. Uh, but from a daily fantasy standpoint, they project Tyler Van Dyke, with 212 passing yards. Would you take the over or under for that? I'm going to take the over. I would agree. Uh, Connor Wegman, 231 passing yards. Also taking the over. Okay. Would you see either one of those guys throwing for 300? Yeah, I could see I could see either or both of them throwing for 300 yards. Evan Stewart, 50 yards. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go over there too. Like, I think he's just going to yeah. get his, you know? Yeah, agreed. Betting lines. Uh, so currently, last I looked, according to the Caesar Sportsbook, over under was at 51. And Texas A&M was a four-point favorite on the road at Hard Rock Stadium. So let's not give uh, our pick against the spread yet, but let's go over under 51. I'm going to go over. I'm also going to go over. Okay. Again, I'm personally, I'm terrible at picking these. So, like, don't bet. 
you'd be better off betting the opposite of what I did <laughs> uh, with my track record. So, and honestly, the game is kind of, I mean, people are smashing unders right now because of the new the game clock rules. So like yeah. the, the unders seem safer to kind of pick. Sure. But I, my some... brain hasn't adjusted yet too. So I'm just picking this game. Like I regularly would game prediction time. Oof. You want to go first? Or you want me to pick? Now you can go first. Okay. So I think overall, right. This, this game is going to be a much better product to watch than last year's game. Definitely. Both teams are much improved, uh, especially Miami. They're just significantly better from a roster standpoint and from a schematic fit per, uh, standpoint relative to their personnel. Um, to me, this is a battle, Gabby, between a potential down-to-down high-efficiency team in Miami Versus a potential explosive team in Texas A&M. Uh, and I do think the teams are fairly evenly matched. So where my mind goes when that's the case, two fairly, you know, somewhat evenly matched teams on paper. One team's probably more efficient with their approach. One team has more explosive potential. I go with the explosive team. So... I will be picking Texas A&M 30, Miami 24. Thanks, David. No, I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that's obviously extremely fair. Um, I wanted you to go first because I think we needed to end the, end the podcast on a, on a high note. Look, man, I, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Miami to win this game. Um, I, I wish I had like a ton of logic and reason as to why I feel like they're going to win this I game. See but it. You know, I, I, I just, I, I'm going through these things and, uh, you know, I, I think a part of it is me just kind of buying, um, you know, maybe what they're kind of doing, uh, buying the vision, uh, seeing the way that they've kind of improved on the, in the trenches, um, looking at this again, that it, it just feels like an anomaly, but that defensive line and just the Texas AM defense that's just so bad against the run. And I think Miami just did a really good job of, of proving that they're going to be able to run the ball with just the different guys and, um, you know, how each one of those guys can kind of attack you in a different way. Um, I think Miami's going to be able to run the ball on these guys. I think Tyler Van Dyke, uh, you know, kind of elevates to the moment. And I think Shannon Dawson has a, a really good game plan. So does Lance Kidry. And I, I just, I just feel in my gut, man. It's just like, and I, I tr- I'm not trying to be like the overly optimistic, uh, you know, Homer, but just yeah. something inside of me is telling me that, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of the signature win that Mario Cristobal has kind of been that we've been kind of waiting for. I mean, he kind of needs, I feel like they kind of need the signature win. Uh, David, you kind of said it on the on the podcast with Carter that, and I didn't really realize that until you said it. Also, Texas A&M hasn't won a true road game. Um, I think they're right. on a six game road game losing skid. Uh, you know, I think the I think Hard Rock Stadium is going to be as good of an environment as you're going to find on Saturday, just because you know maybe it's not 110,000 people deep, but I think the the 67 or whatever it is that fills up that place, I think those guys bring it. Um, and I think it's going to be a fun atmosphere for Miami. And, uh, you know, I, I just I feel like this is going to be one of those moments that we look back on here in the 2023 season and kind of point to it as as the time where, you know, Mario Cristobal started to kind of figure this thing out with his alma mater and and started to kind of get this thing going in the direction that they want it to go. So, um, you know, I j- just something something inside of me is just feeling yeah. a little over optimistic heading into this one. So I'm going 34, 24 Miami wins uh, at Hard Ooh. Rock Stadium on Saturday. That's a sound win. I like that. Sound win. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think, like, to me, I I feel like my, you know, the way I feel about it, 
like a 45% chance Miami wins. So I think it's, it, there is like a 50, 50 game. And to me, the path for Miami, which I think is doable. I think you run the ball, control the clock, shorten the game again, can't allow explosive touchdowns. Um, and also too, the coordinators have to win their battles, which I think, I think that's on the table too. I think Shannon can win over DJ. And I think the Gidry Petrino thing will be interesting to watch, but I do believe in what Lance Gidry is about. And I think there's, there's potential there for him to kind of be a rising star defensive coordinator after Saturday's game. So it'll be interesting. Let's see how it all plays out. This is a huge game for the trajectory of this program. Hopefully Gabby is right and not me. Uh, and the Hurricanes come out and perform well. Um, I think they will perform well no matter what, but in terms of earning the result, uh, let's see how that goes. So until next time, take care. <laughs>